0: So it is happening whether you understand it and like it or not. The phenomenon is moving. The digital you have now content. joined Jenny from the blockchain and Michael Keen Highest, lightest, on the queen. NFT Catcher Podcast.
2: What's up everyone and welcome back to another episode of the NFT Catcher Podcast with me, Jenny from the blockchain and my co-host Michael Keane. For today's Sunday recap episode, we have Brian Fanzo joining us brian is host of the nft 365 podcast which he's literally been doing for over 365 days which is insane um and we definitely want to get into that it's always fun bringing on fellow podcasters on the show but yeah anyway let's jump right into this brian how are you doing this week
3: Uh, i'm doing great thanks yeah excited to be here it's always fun to uh to geek out with other podcasters, especially those of us that are, you know, there was a lot of us I feel in this space and now there's a little bit less of us in this space. So uh, mm. excited to be here and, and and looking forward to the conversation.
2: Yeah. When did you start your podcast, by the way?
3: Uh, so I... November 11th uh, of last year. So 11-11-21 uh, is when we uh, launched the daily uh, podcast. Man.
2: Wow. that's And you've been doing it every single, so every single day, like you've been doing a whole... So
3: yeah. So, I um, I so I, <laughs> I did an episode every single day, uh, for 365 days. So, we did it, we we kind of ended season one uh, on November 11th. Uh, we did you know, I did five episodes a week that were kind of solo. Uh, and then two that were interview style. So it it, uh, it, was a, it was a crazy fee. I also bought an NFT every day. And funny enough, I thought the doing a podcast every day would be the harder of the two tasks uh, because my goal was to buy one in the mint phase every day for a year. Uh, and I didn't realize that was going to take four or five hours worth of research every single day. So funny enough, the daily podcast ended up being uh, a little bit easier than the buying an NFT every day. But Uh, Season two, we decided to take a little easier. We're only doing four episodes uh, a week for season two. But yeah, we made it 365. Uh, This was my eighth podcast. Uh, I started podcasting back in uh, 2010, but I never, uh, never did do a daily podcast and never would do a daily podcast again. That's for sure. Yeah.
2: Oh my God. <laughs> that is so like crazy to me. Like every single day, like not even a day off, like even if you're sick in bed dying, like you're out there recording a podcast.
3: I got COVID twice and oh I gosh. literally thank goodness for a uh, remote recorder. Like a, re- I have a, you know, a road mobile recorder. Cause I, I travel, my full-time job is speaking. So I do a lot of traveling, but uh, I recorded a couple from uh, literally laying down on the couch to, uh, with COVID. So yeah, it was a uh, It was a journey, not something I, I, when we started, I don't think I even, like I made the joke and said, if we make it till uh, through the new year, I'll consider it a win. Uh, And then once it kind of, you know, got to some momentum uh, around like episode 64, 65, then all of a sudden I was like, wait a second, I don't think I can stop. And yeah, it was, it was a wild ride. That's for sure. It was
1: wild. That must've felt good when you finished and you could actually like not have to do one that next day. (laughs)
3: it felt amazing um and actually the not buying so the funny thing is i could you know i have three daughters that I, I co-parent so i i would sometimes batch record like a friday for like a saturday sunday um just because that's kind of how it works uh, but,
1: but uh, so, sometimes but now i'm but, only joking i'm only joking I'm but only joking. i
3: but the funny part is the I truth the comes edit- out I bought the NFT every single day in the mint phase. So actually the thing I was most excited for on November 12th was not to mint a damn NFT. And that was, that was a celebratory fact that I didn't have to buy an NFT. That's
1: for sure. I love that. I love that. Did you hit any, get any big hits with your uh, daily mint? Uh, We did some, we
3: had, um, you know, like art of seasons. Uh, I started really getting into about six months in, uh, into some one of one uh, like artists. I was originally kind of focused uh, only on, uh, PFP projects. I, I minted across thirty uh, blockchain marketplaces, so I started to get a little creative on like, I mean, nineteen cool. or twenty of them. I would not recommend anyone even attempt to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but we did get a couple. We got a couple, um, like one-on-one pieces from uh Matt Caesar, uh Brian Brinkman, uh Sabit that are uh, are definitely worth uh, probably worth major- more than a majority of the PFP projects that we minted. That's pretty cool.
2: That's that's insane. Did you mint any like? apes or anything like during that time?
3: No. So the, so the criteria that we put into it were, or I made up with it was mm-hmm. that it had to be in the mint phase, uh, pre-reveal. So every day I was researching one that was actually launching either that day or had previous launch, just they hadn't minted out yet. So, so we wow. had to be any project that launched from November 11th last year. And it had to be on that day, you know, as they minted. So like November, December, oh, January, right. February, I had like 40 projects to pick from and then the last two months i had like three projects to pick from uh as the market swung a little bit differently but uh you know, we minted you know um like uh you know world of women uh part two we did uh you know crypto chicks we did um you know uh, women and weapons uh you know some of those that uh you know pretty much january february march you know when that when they're everything was going hot and heavy a lot of the projects that uh, a lot of people are, are really familiar with we definitely hit those uh you know during that that kind of middle period V Friend series two a couple others that like you know they were just happen to be perfectly aligned within our you know our kind of scope
2: I'm seeing it now because if you go on if you go on Brian's site nft365podcast.com slash mint 365 you can see like all of the nfts that he's minted which is super cool I'm curious. Was this super expensive? Like, how did you, like, that just sounds like a lot of money, like every single day minting an NFT.
3: It was ridiculously expensive. And I wish I would have like (laughs) thought of that when I started. I don't know. There's a couple of things that I just didn't think of, like... Uh, you know, it, you know, we little over one hundred eighty thousand USD. Um, oh, wow. we ended up Putting into it because I own every one of them, so we, um, I didn't sell a single one. That's the other parameter of this that was made it a little bit more difficult because you know there are plenty of them that I when I bought if I would have sold them you know, March Mm. or April, we could have made a pretty penny. Right. And, uh, and, but the idea for me was creating kind of a time capsule of NFTs, right. That was kind of the, the parameter there. So we are launching right after the new year, um, which is kind of the alpha part of it that, uh, we're, we're selling it the entire collection as one mosaic. So one person will buy one NFT and with that one NFT, they'll get all 365 NFTs, uh, included. So one person will have one hell of a time capsule to kind of keep, uh, you know, to maintain and hold on to
1: people style maybe you'll yes. get 69 million for it hey,
3: well he was inspired I, I was that's how the whole thing came to life I was there um at the the documentary reveal at the November uh, NFT NYC and I I've worked with Gary V and his team uh dating back all the way to 2014 so I was goofing around with them uh kind of in the in the back uh background and then watching the documentary and realizing that people kind of not only was he you know doing the art every day but it, they, none of them were selling, right? The, the most he sold for prior to the, you know, kind of going into the Christie's world was $400, right? Of course, he did sell like a, a different collection at one point. But um, so for me, I was like, man, that's a testament to just one hell of a consistent run and doing something really cool that like, even when no one else was buying them, he kept doing it. So that was kind of the inspiration. We we were on the train back uh, from New York and we came up with the idea on November 5th and we launched November 11th. And I, I guess it was all history from there.
1: Wow. Your website is really cool, man. Oh, thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah we have, I like a, that. I have a great team. Yeah, cool.
2: Yeah, you and you kept saying we too. Like who is who is we? Who's on your team?
3: So it started off with just me. Uh so I, you know, my full time job and what pays the bills and the, you know, bootstrap this is uh, you know, I'm a keynote speaker. So um I have an agent and a and a team that kind of runs that side, uh, Drew Cohen. Uh but then you know that that's who we it was just the two of us uh, on November 11th uh but we quickly you know we launched a discord i have a creator coin as well we dropped some nfts uh back on December 12th last year so with all of that we added uh you know two more people directly to the team we added you know six uh, moderators so at one point we were all the way up to uh 14 members uh, of the team trying to maintain the daily podcast the buying an nft every day and then i was also traveling to speak at uh, at different events, so you know I, I'm very blessed. You know it's been a, a, and everyone but the original, myself and Drew, uh, you know every one of our team uh, members came from listening to the podcast. They were listeners that jumped into our Discord, asked how they could help, and then eventually kind of came onto the team. And uh, it's yeah, it's been a wild ride. From you know we started it with two of us, and it was like oh this is a crazy cool idea, and it's kind of grown into this uh, much bigger team that you know we've launched. You know we have a metaverse where you can walk through on uh spatial you can actually walk sh- through the spatial and see all 365 nfts and that was designed by one of the members uh on our team who happened to also design our nfts as well so yeah, the team is uh, is definitely you know born on web3 and, and you know I, I definitely couldn't have done it without all of them
2: wow yeah, yeah. and and who who does a podcast every day for 365 days in a row. Of course, it's a professional speaker. Like, it's like, it only makes sense. You know, that's probably why you were able to actually accomplish this because you have a lot of experience in speaking. You have a lot of practice. Like, that is not an easy uh, feat. And yeah, I feel like that's that makes a lot of sense to me. But man, speaking keynote speaker, that's cool. I did not even know that about you. What how did you get into public speaking like professionally? So yeah, I mean I don't know many people that that's like their job.
3: So my my mom likes to say I came out of the womb talking and it just took me 35 years to find a job that paid me to talk. <laughs> uh, so that kind of worked out. Um, but, you know, I was my background. I worked in cybersecurity for the Department of Defense for a little over a decade here in Washington, D.C. Um, and I got into cybersecurity really early before it was ever called cybersecurity. And and so i kind of quickly got promoted and i ran a, a really large team and and part of the reason i had got promoted was you know uh, it, it's the it was it was a very you know uh, tangible skill i was pretty much the only guy or only person in the cybersecurity team that was not gray haired uh pretty much everyone else was gray haired and much older so i became kind of the what the I would consider like the face of the millennial representation of the U.S. government, and so they kind of you know kind of put me through the ringer, and it's like, hey, if you can, if you don't mind speaking, we're gonna have you speak. And I started speaking at a lot of events um, for the Department of Defense, uh, and then I left that that job and went to a, a job which was I considered my my dream job, which was modeled after what Guy Kawasaki did at Apple, which was kind of like that technology evangelist. And um, my pretty much my full time job for two years at a startup was was being the face of the of the company. So we would sponsor an event and I would get, you know, I would go and speak uh, on. And it was very sexy It was it was cloud computing and data centers. Uh, and I say sexy is the opposite. Uh, you know, what was what was least sexy? What's less sexy than cybersecurity? I went, you know, uh, cyber, I went to data centers and cloud computing, but uh, kind of during that time, I kind of started to build a, a following on social, started to uh, started creating content. I had a, a couple of podcasts at that time, uh, and that kind of world, I started realizing, wait a second, I don't have to work for a startup to get paid uh, to speak. And so, back in 2015, uh, decided to go out on my own. And you know, it took a couple of years, but you know, uh, 2019, I did 64 gigs uh, in that one year. You know, 64 paid speaking gigs. I've been to uh, 76 countries, yes. so I've definitely well traveled. Uh, and yeah, it, it kind of all fits together for me. You know, I I've been blessed that I uh, I don't mind uh, talking, and now I kind of get paid to you know translate the geek speak, as I guess what I I like to say I formally do.
2: Wow. Um. Selfishly, I have a question about public speaking. So, okay, last year I was I did VCon, I did like I hosted a couple panels, and I was pretty freaking nervous, you know. And then like obviously, once you get going, it's like fine, but. I mean, how do you kind of like, do you always get nervous or is there like some type of techniques you can just, you know, kind of be cool? Like when you are first, you know, getting out on stage and everything and not feeling like, oh my God, like this is about to happen. And like, this is just a lot of pressure and whatever. Yeah. Do you have any like advice?
3: I mean, I think the nerves are, you know, a little bit to do with the fact that you, you know, you value the opportunity, right? I like to think, Hmm. you know, I get often people will be like, Brian, how do you, you know, turn on the passion, you know, if there's 13 people in the audience or 30,000 in the audience. And for me, it's always about like, I respect that people are giving me their most valuable asset, which is their time, right? Like how, how amazing, you know, even with a podcast, right? We are so blessed, you know, as podcasters that people are are spending part of their, their day, part of their week, many, many days of their week um, listening to us. And so I think for me, Like the nerves to me aren't, you know, it's, it's one of those things you either, you either have to find ways to like, kind of set yourself up to work around them, or you just kind of embrace them, you know, kind of for what they are. Like, I know a lot of speakers. I coach a lot of speakers or I, I, I used, that was actually what, what most of my online representation was prior to um, web three was I, I ran a, a couple of masterminds coaching speakers. And, you know, the thing that I always tell speakers is that, you know, it's not like a NASCAR race, right? When someone goes on NASCAR race, they're hoping for a crash, right? Cause like that's part of what you go to NASCAR for. Um, but for a speaking Every single person, when you attend an event, I was at Vcon, you know, a great event, but not one person there at Vcon went into a session and said, I hope the people up here suck, or I hope these people bomb, right? Everyone there is actually cheering for you because they want you to give the best performance you ever have on stage. And so, like, when you flip your mindset to recognize that everyone out in the audience is cheering for you rather than worrying about disappointing everybody, right? Like it's kind of like almost a flip. And usually that's a big, once that mindset flips, then oftentimes you kind of embrace those uh, nerves a little bit differently. But I don't think nerves are a bad thing at all.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, oh, thank you for that. That was great. And then you said that something that I, I remember you saying earlier in the episode was you had like nine different podcasts. Like what were, what were all your podcasts about?
3: Oh, yeah, most people don't know the nine because if you added all nine of them up, they, they didn't equal the amount of downloads I've had for just the one that, that okay, I've done for yeah. the last year. So, um, but I did a lot. You know, so my initial ones, um, you know, one that people would know is called FOMO fans, which is the fear of missing out. Um, and I, I was just about early adoption culture. So I actually recorded on Google Hangouts, and we talked about things like Google Wave and Meerkat and Blab and a lot of early. Uh, i, I was I've been an early adopter in the tech space, you know, since even you know I was jailbreaking iPhones uh, back on like the iPhone three. Uh, so like a lot of them were in that realm. And then, Um, you know, the most recent podcast, I guess, maybe the one that had a lot of, uh, you know, publicity prior to this one, uh, was one called press the damn button. And I just interviewed, um, leaders on like, what buttons do they press in their life that got them to where they're at, at that point. But it was a range of like marketing, uh, slash, you know, kind of the early adoption technology is where, uh, I've kind of played in the, in the podcasting space.
2: Interesting. Yeah. I'm like looking up your previous one soon. Uh, even your FOMO fans had a hundred episodes like jeez you, you like you really went hard with all these podcasts
3: yeah you know podcasting is a funny thing right I, I you know I, I'm sure the stats been thrown around but like you know the average podcast dies after seven episodes right which is just a <laughs> crazy thing to think of right I always tell anybody like Episode eight, you should every podcaster should celebrate because it's 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 in my opinion it's the most intimate and greatest medium of content there is. But we also know that it's very like non forgiving, right? You could, you don't even really you don't ever know if like is anybody actually listening to this and like do people care and like you know it's such a disconnected uh, medium in that realm. Uh, and so for me, like I you know I like to think like you know I was diagnosed ADHD uh, ten years ago, and a lot of that was like. I just need to set myself up for success and and for me the talking doing a podcast is the most natural way that I create content. So even with FOMO fans, you know, I monetized that podcast very well, but funny enough it wasn't based on the downloads of the podcast. It was actually the output of the content. So I would record an episode and like I recorded a bunch on like uh, enterprise technology and it was sponsored by Dell and they would turn it into a blog post. They would turn it into social media posts. And so like that was kind of like my secret weapon was that if I could record, you know, content via audio and then turn it into something else, I can make a living on this uh, side of the fence. But it's, uh, you know, I love podcasting, but it's, you know, anyone that's in this game. Uh, Recognizes that it's just a, it's a hard medium to market. It's a hard medium to to grow and keep the consistency. Uh, but yeah, I've been working uh, pretty hard at trying to just uh, you know continue to innovate as as a podcaster, and uh, it's been it's been fun. I mean, it's a lot. I love podcasting a lot more than I did, uh, I'd say eight years ago because it was so much harder to, you know, even create a podcast or put it out online. Like it would take, you know, I remember five or six hours to create the FTP file, to tag it, to upload it to some random server, to connect it to the Apple side. So, uh, you know, I, I think the podcasting, you know, space itself is, you know, is without question my favorite medium.
2: Yeah. That is so true of like, like it is kind of weird how, you know, for example, if you make videos, people comment on the specific video, Like for podcasting, there's not exactly, obviously people could write reviews, but it's like that you don't write reviews every time you listen to an episode to kind of like update like the host, you know, you're just, it's like a one-time thing. And obviously there's other social channels you can use, you know, Twitter, Discord, whatever to like say your feedback, but it's so true. You don't really, people don't really give their feedback on like a podcast, like on the the medium directly. And that is kind of interesting to think about. But uh, yeah, Michael, you have any more questions about Brian or podcasting? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's actually really cool to hear your story and and all the things you've gone through. You've done some really cool stuff. And you said you've traveled to uh, 70 some countries. Yeah, 76 countries. total.
3: The only reason I know it is... Uh, with my security clearance i still had a you know i had to up until country number 70 i still had to get clearance uh to travel so they they kept tally and then i my clearance was uh was given up so that's only, i didn't randomly oh, just wow. count but yeah so i've had, yeah. I've had a six since then but yeah 76 total cool
1: yeah i'm somewhere right around 45 so i love to travel also nice. it's good to hear yeah for sure for sure i think the nft space needs some uh some travel projects something good out there
3: I agree. agree completely. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, I, I just think that's, I mean, that's part of the beauty of the space is, you know, it is very international. And I think that is, you know, and I think, you know, still so a, a little ways to go as far as, you know, continuing that realm, but you know i know for our for our podcast you know our our third largest uh listener base is australia and i always think that's you know su- super interesting just in uh you know we're really really big down under apparently so you know it's uh yeah the traveled side is uh, there's nothing i love more than traveling that's for sure
1: that's funny ours ours australia we get a lot of listeners down there too i know there's a there's a big nft community uh, one of the guys i worked with it nftcatcher.io runs uh NFT Melbourne, they put on the, nice. their that conference down there, yeah. So there's a lot of NFT heads in, in Australia. Yeah. Did you guys, so, did you guys obviously, the biggest news in NFTs this week, the brand new meta, is this the tru- collecttrumpcards.com? Did you guys check that out this week? Anybody? I
2: checked it out. I didn't yeah. get any. I think, no. how many are there? There's actually kind of a lot. Like, I was surprised. Yeah,
1: 45,000. 45,000. 45,000. Yeah. It seemed like kind of a joke when it launched, you know, 99 each. And he put out that infamous commercial. $99 and then th- each, yeah. Yep, $99 each, which is basically like 0.8 ish or whatever, depending on ETH. And throughout the day, the number just kind of went up and up. And there were news articles. Like, I found it fascinating to watch because the news articles were just murdering it. Like, uh, one of them, HuffPost or whatever, called it the dumbest thing of all time. And I and I kept thinking, like, is that good for NFTs with the publicity? Like, at least people are hearing about NFTs, but they're like just being raked over to Kohl's. And then the, the thing sold out. And yesterday it blew up. It got as high as as almost 0.7 ETH. It's down to like 0.3 now, but it blew up yesterday. Yeah, it's interesting if you look at the um the
3: I was tracking it. I didn't buy any um either
1: did i yeah, did yeah I. there's
3: a couple you know even the website like you know the 99 dollars like i you know i've played in a lot of the like uh like the nintendo uh round like i i kind of liked some of the nfts that were kind of like uh entry points for you know general public kind of minted at like a usd price but yep um, yeah. like you know the, and then you know and then people found out like the art was copied from uh, a stock images like they didn't even remove the watermark from a couple uh of the art but the thing I found interesting was that someone did uh, – I can't remember who the tweet was. I wish I could find the tweet. I might be able to pull it up and send, put it in the notes. But um, someone had actually done – and I, it only looked like uh, it was less than 15% of the total supply had actually been like kind of um, attached to an open sea account, right? So that just shows how many – people bought them that really hadn't had you know if if they had a metamask yes. they hadn't connected yep. to an open C. so even though the price went up pretty high it's a bunch of dgens that were flipping money back and forth it wasn't it was probably thirty five thousand of them haven't even connected it to uh open C to realize agreed they, even they don't enough. even exactly. right
1: they don't even know they can sell it or whatever yeah exactly exactly yeah for sure for <laughs> which, sure
3: which is like kind of half a dozen like it Could it be a bad thing then for the the, like? Because like in in a way, I think it's you know if it brings new people into the space, like I'm all for it. And you know, there's definitely niched uh, arenas, but I kind of have to question like how many people did it bring in? Because there's probably going to people like three years from now be like, oh yeah, I bought one of those NFTs that that Trump thing. I don't even know where it's at, right? And like we have to figure out someone's seed phrase and you know, good luck. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I heard that was a little weird if you were signing up for the first time with no wallet. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And then all of a sudden last night there were all these like Obama co- like collect Obama cards, collect Elon cards, collect JFK cards were like all the top sellers by uh by like quantity yesterday.
3: Well, I mean, I guess there's one thing we we know about uh, you know, the gens and the NFT space is like we can be pretty predictable when it comes to uh like gen derivative projects, right? Like the Biden one I think had someone said it had 400 ETH worth of uh of uh volume before OpenSea took it down and i was like as soon as i saw that i was like it's like every other derivative that you know any project that's had any success within 24 hours there's a there's a derivative ripoff of it it's like almost clockwork these days
1: right yeah they just they they pump them out for sure for sure
2: there was also i don't know if you guys saw this but um on snl they like brought up the the trump digital trading cards like they like made fun of it I'm like yeah. wow it made it made its way all the way to snl like that's pretty freaking good yeah. but i mean obviously it was like they were trashing it but but it was just funny it was like oh nft is being brought up again but yeah those man those trading cards i saw that thread too brian um this lady had yeah she did this whole thread and i like forgot to like save it I don't yeah, know I can't it find is, it. But, I'm literally looking.
3: Yeah. I was just looking through my Twitter because, yeah, she did a great job. It was because uh, it is, you know, it is an interesting, you know, 45,000 is, in, you know, and, you know, $4.5 million to the team, whoever, you know, licensed that out with, you know, Trump. Like, I mean, that's no money to, you know, to kind of joke with, right? Like, just from, you know, 12 hours, 4.5 million. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, it, it, you might might have not used stock footage um, and and like, you know, a couple of the other things that just kind of come with it. But you're right. Like I think SNL, like, you know, digital collectibles, of course, you know, even like, you know, what Starbucks is doing with, you know, calling them digital stamps. I think all of them, at least it's like a reminder that the space is still here and going because I'm sure a lot of people on Saturday Night Live probably hadn't heard about NFTs again, since like Bored Apes were, you know, kind of in the late night scene. So it's it's probably a good thing just for that alone, that people were, you know, at least having a conversation, even if it was negative.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, that's so true. They
2: were like, oh my God, NFTs are still around? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, they actually
1: are. So you mentioned the team that put it on, that licensed his, his image and stuff. And I tried to look up as much as I could. So it turns out the company is this company called NFT International LLC. And they are in, uh, was it in Colorado? Uh, like, a, like one of the mountain towns. And it, it, their address is just a UPS store, and nobody knows who they are. Like, maybe there's somebody we know in the space, or whatever. But just some this company was able to license his image to do this, and they licensed it from another LLC called CIC LLC which had an address at Trump's golf course, and it's registered to his current lawyer and one of his former advisors. So it's like a whole thing. And he's obviously in on it because he's going to do the Zoom calls and the autographs and all that kind of stuff. And there was another one weird thing was there was one admin wallet that minted 1,000 of them. They actually sold 45,000. So uh, it's about 2% of the collection. But twenty five percent of the one of ones went to that wallet, and thirty three percent of the autographs went to that wallet. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, That's not not great. Yeah, not great from like a DJN like uh, point of view. But uh, one of them sold for fifty five hundred. I saw that. It sold, yeah, it sold for like four point something each from a hundred dollars. Pretty wild.
2: Wait, didn't one sell for like a lot more than that? Like. Yeah, maybe it did after it there was, was
1: there? there was one like tw- i think 12
3: eth i think there was a 12 eth
1: there was a 12
3: um, eth oh yeah my God. yeah because it was one of the ones where because like i think with one of them because like he, you get to do a zoom call on a couple of them but like one of them i think you got you got a phone call and to play golf or a round of golf or nine holes of golf or something i think that was the one that got the uh the large eth uh you know soul. i mean i don't
1: know <laughs> right right
3: yeah. I, I, and like, you know, like the sad truth is like, you know, those of us that watch, you know, ether scan and can trace wallets and look at some of that stuff. Right. Like, it's just like, you know, you would think that a lot of like, we would like these projects would start to realize, or at least understand that like we can see that, but yet apparently it, it still doesn't shy people away from being, you know, extremely obvious with how they're giving out, you know, giving out quote, unquote uh, you know, some of these NFTs, which I think is probably the, the saddest part of the whole story is that, You know, at least if they were going to do it with that many of them, I mean, at least to will play above board when it comes to, you know, how they are distributing out. But I guess that's, you know, too much to ask these days still.
1: Too much to ask. It's kind of funny. Like a lot of the things that uh, look shady in the space, like we're so dialed in and we're in that Twitter circle where everyone's talking about that kind of stuff. I think a lot of people, it just goes over their head and they don't even know. Without question. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that was, that was funny this week because it really Every I had regular people messaging me about it like for the first time about NFTs in a while <laughs> did you hear about this Trump thing my mom was like did you hear this stupid because my mom like hates him to death and like anything you know so she's like did you see what he did this and I was like well they're worth like three times as much as people pay, bought them for not that stupid.
2: Yeah, yeah, and um, I think I even saw um, youth's founder.
1: Oh yeah, Frank, 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 yeah, Frank,
2: Frank, Frank. Okay, yeah, yeah, Frank. I'm like, why did I forget Frank's name? He's like, honestly, this whole thing was like genius, and like, he really like praised the the drop and everything. Obviously, the art was lacking, but I will say, I did like that there was like utility to these where I was like, oh, if you bought 45 or or, I don't know something where it's like, oh, you can have dinner with him. And just like, there was actually, it wasn't just here's these, you know, digital trading cards and nothing else with it. Like there were some perks, which is nice. It's like, okay, well, at least there was some utility, you know, because a lot of times when we see these celebrities or people that are well-known, you know, do these jobs, it's like, they don't really add utility and they just kind of think, oh, people would just want to own this because it's me. So at least whoever advised them kind of, you know, did that part of things and made sure there was some type of utility there.
1: Yeah, it was well put together as far as a drop goes with people being able to use credit card or crypto. Yep. Um, And was it, were the utility random on the tokens or I think they're doing a sweepstakes is what I thought, but maybe that was. What the reveal was like because because brian you said the person sold it that had like the golf outing that was attached to some of the different tokens so, so i think some of the
3: 101s that were in the collection had the like the utility was like in the okay. properties but okay. i think the, i think some of the other ones are part of the you know kind of the the raffle or i think Got you, it. Like, you get a route ra- you get like a a certain like your nft has a certain amount of uh like pieces in the raffle or something on that side and you know it's funny the uh, I don't know if you guys remember the Ty Lopez uh, drop, right? Where yep. he, he his utility was. I actually had him on the podcast, uh, probably two months before um that drop. And actually, I I had him on because I interviewed him about Radio Shack since he's the founder. He also owns Radio Shack. Uh, and I was asking him about like you know what does he think about NFTs for like businesses like that. I didn't even ask him for his own drop. But it's funny because. The utility maps very closely to what Ty Lopez did, uh, except it's you know a former former president, right? Like in the in the scale, like I I, do, I don't know if like watching a watching a movie with Ty Lopez over Zoom uh, to me was not worth like the three ETH that he was trying to get for it. But you know, for some people, you know, uh, you know, sitting with a former president for that long like, might be the you know it, it makes a little bit more sense in the utility drop. I think you know, in my opinion,
2: right? Yeah, I mean, hey, Ty Lopez did it first so (laughs) no but yeah I I did see some people on Twitter bring that up and I actually like Ty Lopez I used to follow him I mean I don't I mean I don't really follow him anymore but I used to really follow him a lot for like entrepreneur stuff and I actually liked his courses but he definitely got a lot of shit on Twitter (laughs) for the way he did stuff
3: he likes hey some polarizing works in this space and I will say he was a great interview and uh, super nice dude before and after the interview, and I had met him a couple times in person. We had actually run a, on a panel together a couple of years back, and uh, yeah, I mean, he, you know, you, you don't have to love his marketing tactics or you know some of his things, but uh, I think you can respect some of the uh, the results that he's you know de- delivered. And I think with yeah. with this project, like I love that you checked into that company, and like it'll be interesting. You know, I'm sure it'll come out eventually. You know, who was involved in in you know helping like. I think a lot of the mechanics, even the email sign up, like I, I, one of my friends that did buy one, he, he was like, Brian, how do I get it from my email into that open? I can't remember. I think he called it open ocean thing. So nah. I, was like, I was like, you mean open Sea? like, I was like, what do you, and uh, I mean, but their email, like um, whatever they were using for like that, you know, the, you know, holding wallet, the 2.5 wallet, um, you know, non-custodial um, seemed pretty legit because I, I walked him through it just via text message. And he was able to to migrate it to his wallet that he needed. There was like a, he said it would take like an hour and it did. And then it showed up in his wallet and he was able to, you know, put it up for sale on OpenSea. So, uh, you know, kudos to whoever the team was kind of making that work as far as the mechanics, especially at 45,000, you know, NFTs. That's a lot of traffic.
1: Yeah, sure is. It's probably not their first rodeo. Yeah. Doubtful. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. But now, I mean, it was, it was well done. And the fact that it it did its thing, It sat there all day, you know, anybody could have bought as many as they wanted. And you mentioned the 45, Jennifer, that was, uh, if you buy the 45, you get invited to a gala at Mar-a-Lago. Oh,
2: okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. A gala. So, you know, somebody was saying, imagine like during the, if that, if this came out during the bull run and for 4,500, you get that, like everybody would have been spending, you know, like three on it or whatever it would have been at the time.
3: Would have been an interesting like Web3 NFT takeover. If it emerged right. six months ago, right. like, all of us would have like we would have ghost minted it, not even like thinking twice about it. Right. Like the amount of wallet, and I had a couple people that reached out to me via DMs and like, Brian, which one of your burner wallets have your Trump NFTs in it? I was like, Well, surprisingly enough, I didn't uh mint this one. Uh, but you're right, six months ago if that came out, uh, I think I don't think the average uh Trump, you know, supporter, uh web two person would have even had a chance to get one of them, especially at that price point.
1: Right, yeah, for sure. They would have. Been, they would have been a gas war, or whatever. They would have been, would not know exactly. what they're doing. Yeah, funny. And they did it on Polygon. With you mentioned Starbucks, they're also using Polygon. Uh, it's a pretty good move, and it's it's probably going to end up being one of the most successful Polygon NFTs. Now that I think about it, with the volume it's doing right now.
3: Yeah, I tell you what, Polygon Studios, like that team. Their onboarding and their integration across, you know, like the Starbucks using Nifty Gateway and like just the way Nifty Gateway was is able to to leverage some of the mechanics and the easy, you know, the easy minting that Polygon offers. I mean, I think Polygon has been doing it right for a long while. I think the you know it's kind of like that unsung hero aligned with uh, with Ethereum. But uh, yeah, I mean. You're right. That's it. Probably is you know, if not the largest, it's probably the. I mean, I'm sure it's the largest uh, collection minted on Poly. But I I wonder if it's the the largest uh, mint out. It has to be up there in the top for sure.
1: Volume wise, like uh, well, volume in sales probably. But the uh, I know Ticketmaster or Live Nation dropped like they have like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of NFTs on Polygon that they've dropped to people for just like attending shows. Yeah. But that's yeah no this, like Polygon talking about Polygon. I mean they're they are def, like you said they are they're going to be one of the winners in this because we've talked a lot about you know Ethereum isn't going to be able to is not going to be able to be the the blockchain that does a million transactions all the time for real small amounts like you know it's just because sometimes gas will go up to hundred dollars and it's just impossible. Uh, and they're going to the games and things like that are going to be looking toward polygon toward flow possibly but polygon's in a real good spot being that layer 2 all right
2: yeah. we well, yeah. I feel like we should move on to a different topic
1: let's move on let's move on yep uh, one thing i noticed i love flips.finance. finance i go there every day multiple times it changed to degens.finance and i need to figure out what that means for my finance. yeah Dnet, dgens.finance when you go flips.finance that's where it sends you so uh, uh that's yeah. funny nice Uh-huh. Yep. trying to appeal so, to there, the dgens yeah I, I guess and there's like there's new information different information on there it's kind of a rebuilt site so it's pretty cool and uh i need to make sure my token still works though because i had like an access token for flips.finance but i know dgens.finance seems like they have their own so I got to That just happened like two days ago. Did they get bought out, or they just changed their name? That's a good question. I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. And well, I think, and I think OSF is actually part of Lips. So I got to. I, I might even just message him or try and find a Discord or something. See what the deal is. Yeah, that's
2: yeah. Yeah. Find out. I
1: lo- yeah, that was my go-to website for stats though every day.
2: Yeah, I know. You're always bringing it up. Like, oh, yeah. you can see all the. All the flip steps and everything.
1: Yeah, flips is great. Flips is great for sure.
2: Did you guys see. see um this week that someone got scammed out of their fourteen board apes that they were holding? It was like I... oh one million dollars scam, which is painful. Oh. To re- there was this whole thread about it. I was reading, and it was an elaborate scam too. Like it was like, and I mean, of course, it's gonna be some elaborate scam if. They're trying to get, you know, a a million dollars worth of apes, like 14 bored apes. Let me let me think. Okay, so the thread at Serpent, literally, that's just their handle. They did a whole analysis of it. It was like a whole month long social engineering scam where basically they were like pretending that they wanted to license the other person's bored apes. And I don't know, they were they were even tweeting on their Twitter, making it seem legit, like everything was. Seemed kind of legit, but um, it definitely wasn't. And and then they were like, "Oh, connect your wallet to this site and just sign this um, transaction." Like in order to sign the licensing agreement, which some people were also targeted for that scam. And they said that that was a huge red flag for them because board. I think it's called Board Jobs that does like licensing agreements. They don't have you like sign any transactions, so it's it was like it, it wasn't really necessary. Um, so that was kind of like a big red flag for some people that were targeted, but didn't fall for it. But yeah, this person, they they connected. And then it was um, a Seaport transaction, which someone was saying, never sign Seaport uh, transactions unless it's like on sea. And then they like lost all their freaking borders. And it was like, oh, it sucks. But I was like looking at their wallet. They still have all their mutants though, which I'm like, at least they have their mutants. But yeah, that's that. I feel like that was one of the biggest scams that have happened in a while. Uh, what a nightmare!
1: Mm-hmm. Do we know who who was it? Who was the person?
2: It was uh, Seven Season. Is their name? They're low key on Twitter. They're not really. They only have like less than a thousand followers. But I remember following them a while back because they're. Uh, I don't know what number holder they are, but they're like a top holder. Like I mean, fourteen is a solid amount to be holding uh, at this stage.
1: So yeah. no kidding.
2: Yeah. That
1: is that's nasty. I heard about it, but I didn't really catch the details. What a scam that is. They uh people are so smart they use it for the wrong reasons.
2: I know. Well, yeah, it's a whole skill too, like becoming a scammer and learning how to scam people. And I mean, yeah, that's it's crazy.
3: Especially the long-term plays, right? Like, I mean, I think that's the yeah, that's the thing, you know, with the amount of money at play. You know, I worked I worked a decade in cybersecurity. And like part of the thing that's interesting is like, you know, because the money is so high here, and it can be, you know, how how long can I can I make this play to get someone to click a button five times, which could be sending me multiple millions of dollars, right? With with very low, little recourse, although we have seen some recourse in the space. Like, you know, the the long-term play, you know, I, I have a friend who had um had social got central engineered about three months back, and it was It was a two month long, you know, LinkedIn. They actually targeted them through LinkedIn, a long conversation. um, And it ended up, you know, it ended up being a hack through a PDF that they ended up sending over with an offer for an influencer project. Um, And the the PDF actually happened to run uh, something when they downloaded the PDF to the computer, uh, ended up popping up the the MetaMask. And unfortunately, um, they unlocked their MetaMask. And at that point, uh, they were kind of owned. And, you know, Mm -hmm. when I was going back and forth, I actually had a Zoom call with them, uh, a couple other friends that were in the, the kind of cybersecurity space, seeing what we could do. I mean, it was three months of... Read, you know constant back and forth never kind of red flag like you know they had emails they were posting on their linkedin um like normal things like on a regular basis not just you know like it wasn't just like one account that kind of do it so i mean i think that's the you know that that is the truth of the space is that the money here makes people okay with like a, a very drawn out long social engineering play and i think you know, it's just important to have our guard up, you know, even with people that were like, hey, we've been interacting with them for three months, uh, three months of uh, interacting with someone to, you know, milk out you know, almost a million dollars with the NFTs is uh, doesn't seem like much of a, a time for, for that kind of right. return.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's like they're willing to put in the work if they're going to, you know, get a pretty big payout at the end of it. Yeah. And it sucks. And it's like, I even, I think this guy even had like a call with them and it's like, you know, people will go to great lengths in order to, to scam you. And man, it's just, it it reminds, it's always a good reminder though, of like, be careful, um, take your time with things, uh, just really don't trust anyone. Like it it sucks. You kind of have to be very skeptical in this space. Like you really do. And you have to like, you know, go into it with not trusting people and then kind of, they have to earn your trust over time and you really need to vet them as much as you can. But that's, yeah, that's just, that's very unfortunate. Um, that, 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 that still happens. And um yeah, sucks.
1: But, I, I anyway. wonder, I wonder how many board apes are stolen. Seems like a, a lot, st- a, a sizable chunk of the <laughs> collection. I wonder if that ever ends up having some kind of like uh Effect on the collection, like you know, if so many of them are stolen,
2: and especially marked stolen too, like right, you know, yeah, it's, many- a, it's
1: a it's a weird yeah. dynamic.
3: Yeah, we have to wait. We have to wait for Franklin to figure out a way to pick him up, and then you know he
2: he seems to have the plethora of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, he. I know a lot of the ones he plays with are are the stolen. Are the stolen ones. ones. Yeah. yeah.
2: I wish there was a way because, like, sometimes I want to try to Google, like, how many board apes are Mark Stolen. It's like that kind of stuff just doesn't pop up on Google. You know, I guess we're so early still. <laughs> like, you can't just Google certain things. You need to like, right? right. Or like, oh, what was I going to look up earlier? I wanted to look up. Oh, it's about the Trump NFTs. And then I'm like, I'm not gonna get any results from this. Uh,
1: That's all you see. When I searched uh, NFT news today, it yeah. was like four pages of Trump NFT stuff before anything else. Wow.
2: Yeah, was yeah. big, it was big news. So yeah, it
1: made it made all the national news services, like everyone wrote a story about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His 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 infomercial for it was was entertaining. I will say that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I briefly saw it, but... Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, that was entertaining. It's your favorite president. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, he really didn't have to say much. Like, as long you as know. it was him saying, hey, I'm coming out with this thing, like, yeah. people are going to buy yep. it.
1: Yep, yep. When he started saying it, and he started talking about digital cars, I was like, come on, say NFT. And he did say NFT, so I was like, <laughs> nice. Right,
2: yeah, digital... Digital asset or digital collectibles. That's the new term, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Digital collectibles.
2: Which, speaking of digital collectibles, Cryptoys, Wave 2, Motu Wave wave 2 Drop happened this week. I got a couple cubes. I ended up, what did I get? I got a rare, uh, what is it called? Trap Jaw or something. I don't know. I'm not a huge Masters of the Universe fan, but yeah, it was fun. I got like a rare one. I opened it on like the crypto stream and everything. Um, yeah, it's cool that they, they came out with Wave 2 so quickly. I'm like, whoa, I was not expecting that.
1: Yeah, and we actually have uh, – Steph was nice enough to give me a code – and not a code, a, a link. So we're going to put this in the show notes, and all of our listeners are able to uh, fill it out. You put that you came from the NFT Catcher podcast, so she knows what pool to put you into, and she'll pick a winner. So – Ooh, Feel giving free, away. Yeah. Okay, so
2: we're giving away a Crypto Cube.
1: Yeah, Master of the Universe. Yep.
2: Nice. Okay. Yeah. Cool.
1: I ha- I have two of them. I haven't opened them yet though.
2: Oh, you can So you can There's like three phases to it. It's like you yeah. it can be in the cube and then you can open it to oh, I forget what it's called, but it's like, like oh the like, blister like pack.
1: Yeah, like that's the hanger pack. pack or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And
2: then you can keep it as that and that's an NFT, or you can open it again to where it's actually like the playable like action figure that you can like
1: yeah
2: uh play on their little game that they have and stuff. So um yeah most of mine are still cubes but I have a couple wrapped I have a couple opened all the way. I try to keep them in the cubes though because it's I don't know it's kind
1: of fun keeping them in there. Yeah. What else uh, is going on? What what did you say doodles did this week?
2: Doodles okay so first of all everyone's always kind of mad at doodles for not communicating enough. And so finally, Poopy, who is uh, co-founder and NFT lead of Doodles, uh, made an announcement in Discord. It's not on their official Twitter, but it is in Discord. Um, and he was basically saying like, hey, I know you guys are all waiting um, to reveal your duplicators and the Genesis boxes. And he's saying like, don't worry, it's going to be worth the wait. Yeah, he said a couple of things. Said one, duplicator first utility will be revealed in January 2023. So coming up next month, uh, we'll find out the first utility, for the duplicator. Uh, two, the Genesis box reveal will fast follow the duplicator. Three, Doodles 2 closed beta starts sometime in 2023. So, and then they also said that they, um, they're like, basically, oh, sorry for the delay. Here's why, blah, blah, blah. And then they said that they... Um, they finally found the home for doodles too, like which blockchain it's going to be on. So, and they didn't reveal which one yet, but, mm. um, so yeah, that's kind of the the news. I guess it's a bit of an announcement of an announcement like, Oh, here's when our you know, announcement is going to be, but I don't know. I thought it was good information, um, to know. And yeah, doodle holders seemed happy about the info as well. So yeah, just a nice little update from doodles.
1: That's what's up. Yeah. I saw you posted, but I didn't get a chance to read it. Uh, Brian, what are, what are some of your favorite projects that you're into? I know we talk a lot. There's a lot of different projects we talk about, uh, you know, on this podcast. Um, I heard you say you worked with Gary V before and you bought, you know, V friends volume two, but what are some of, what are some of your favorite ones? What's some of the stuff you're into? You know?
3: uh, Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I have a wide, wide range of some of the, you know, OG ones. I'm a, you know, original crypto dad uh holder was one of my uh original projects that I I still hold and, and love yeah uh, and they can, they're going through a new ownership uh a new new group of uh owners from the the community which is a fun one um you know lazy Lions is a project that I've been in for uh a long while as well um a couple Jennifer's
1: ones, Jennifer's favorite lazy Lions oh
3: yeah I I, 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 it's like, <laughs> it's, I mean it's, it's a fun uh you know it's a fun journey some of these projects have been on since, yeah uh, yeah sure Well, I don't
1: mean I don't mean to cut you off there. I'd like to hear what else because it's a little bit of a a different subset that we're uh, that we typically run with.
3: Yeah, so I mean, um, I mean, a couple of ones. You know, there's a project called Ape Liquid um, that I'm uh, pretty heavy into now. Uh, I actually had the founder on my podcast back in April, and I wasn't uh, too sold on the project itself. I was, you know, kind of still kind of figuring it out, but they just actually. Uh, launched and actually the game is actually playable um, in their ecosystem and they kind of have a, a a super community of uh, of uh, ways that you can kind of play into uh, the project. They have a their own token that is actually you know liquidity backed uh, called the Metal Token. Uh, so I'm a I'm a big fan of what they're kind of building. Um, and then there's a, one uh, you know Bulls and Apes uh, is one uh, that I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that one. It was the one that came out with a six month money back uh guarantee back at nftla um but they've been on a hell of a run just the last uh week and a half uh they've held above mint price uh since launch but they went from about you know i think floor was about 0.5 uh for the last many months um and i believe they crossed over the one eighth floor um this week for the first time uh and really? they have god bulls and they have um, a lot of uh tokenomics within their project and they actually just um they just lined uh, lined up with uh, uh, bubblegum kids, lazy lions and uh, non-code ducks can all stake within the bulls and apes uh, you know inside of their uh, staking contract and actually earn some of their token as well. So those are those are two that I I think I would say they're the more complex type projects that have multiple you know moving parts and tokenomics but I'm uh, I'm kind of heavy into both of those.
1: Cool. It's good to hear about some different stuff. I definitely didn't know about a couple of those. I remember that one now that you mentioned it from uh from NFTLA where they gave the money back guarantee. How many did a lot of people get their money back or they didn't need to because of the floor?
3: So it was above floor and and funny enough, I guess 15 people total, which is insane that it uh you know, and I tell you what, they it was pretty neat the way they did it because I had some pushback because I was like, well, I want to move mine. Uh, to my ledger. And so you had a, you had a 48 hour period once you minted it to be able to move it to its permanent location. Um, And as long as you hadn't, uh, you know, moved it from that wallet in the six months. uh, And because the floor price was above the entire time, um, you know, I was surprised that uh, there was 15, but only 15 out of 10,000 is, uh, is pretty, uh, you know, impressive. And, you know, they're, they're moving in kind of a a couple other phases. And, uh, you you know, I think with any, with any innovation in this space, it's, you know, a lot of it seems shady and a lot of it seems like you have to kind of question it, but you know, they, they did come through and, you know, the 15 people were able to kind of do that through, um, their website pretty easily, but yeah, only 15, uh, kind of took them up on their offer, you know, six months later. But, you know, I know a lot of people that jumped in that project as their first NFT, um, because yeah. they didn't believe me, but they were like, oh, money back guarantee. Sure. I'll jump in. And, and most of them that I, that kind of helped onboard into that one are still extremely active in that project. So, I mean, kudos to them for, you know, that mechanism, just at least giving people a little bit more security coming on board, even if people didn't use the the mechanism at the end.
1: Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. That is uh, kind
3: of
2: like- nice. It's like, Oh, I, I mean, honestly people are just scared that they're going to go to zero and they're like, no, you know, I don't want to just throw away money for nothing. So it's like, if you feel like, well, at least I could get my mine back if I hold it for six months or something like that's actually pretty nice um more projects should do that
3: yeah and they you know and they did it very transparently right they had they had the funds um for the entire collection locked up in a wallet so like they could actually you know they oh, wow. they proved from the beginning like you know we're we're offering a money-back guarantee but we also have the funds in a wallet that can actually afford to refund everyone that, we, you know, if that was the case, which huh. to me was, you know, like, I think there's a lot of other projects that would probably, you know, we know how roadmaps and, and guarantees work in this space, but yeah. um, the fact that they were even able to back that up, it would be, it's an interesting trend that um, I think if the, you know, they launched, so I think their six months was in November. So whatever, six months. So it was like, they launched pretty much, you know, bear market <laughs> uh, launch. So I wonder if if that would have been a trend, let's say, you know, January, February, um, I wonder how many other projects would have kind of copycatted that. It would have been interesting, and we'll see I guess maybe maybe some will kind of pick that up for you know the new year. we'll see
2: hmm. there we go. let's manifest it, okay. We're kind of coming to a close here on our one hour any last minute things we want to say? I know we gotta go over the the top ten uh projects by volume of the week yeah michael any any last minute things?
1: uh not necessarily so much uh Brian, are there any like kind of insights or pieces of wisdom that you'd like to share with our podcast community? Well, I mean, I, I first of all, I, I love that you guys had me on. I appreciate that. I, I love, yeah. uh,
3: I know I love content creators and podcasters taking care of a uh, of fellow podcasters and, and content creators. So uh, I appreciate that uh, a ton. Um, you know, I think for me, you know, I think this space you know, it's, it's tough to, you know, I, I just throw this out there for anyone that's listening, right. It's, you know, we talk about, we want to make sure that creators are getting creator fees. We talk about artists being taken care of. We talk about NFT founders being taken care of. You know, I think the content creators, uh, we're kind of often the unsung, uh, heroes in a lot of this because we keep a lot of people, um, active in the space. We keep people in the know. We, we are, you know, kind of keep on keeping on. So, um, I, I would just say for everyone that's listening here, you know, celebrate this podcast, right. Share it out, uh, because, you know, for all of us that are, that are doing this part of it, you know, we are we are part of the, the cog in in, this big system. And I think uh, sometimes are the, uh, the lesser uh, rewarded or lesser celebrated uh, part of this, uh, you know, entire, you know, wonderful world that is web three. So I appreciate you guys having me on for sure. And uh, you know, I will, you know, definitely make sure to share it all across my, uh, my channels and uh, excited to collaborate more in the future.
1: Awesome. I love that. Now it was a really good time. It was good hearing your insight and your different perspective. And it was a, it was kind of a, a little bit of a slow week in the space we normally have like a lot more topics to cover but we had a really good conversation so i was happy you came on and i feel the same way about you know we've done a lot of collaborations with other podcasts and crossover episodes and things like that so um i always keep my eye on all the different nft podcasts out there and it's really amazing that you did it for a full year so i definitely would love to do some more stuff in the future for sure yeah that will make it happen that's for sure cool so yeah, we we end each episode with the uh, the top ten NFT collection rankings by sales volume over the last seven days. I get it from CryptoSlam, Slam, so it pulls like from the different blockchains. So we kind of catch if anything hits from like Immutable or Solana, whatever it is. But I'm gonna start going over them now. Uh, Bored Apes was number one with 31 million uh, in sales volume over the last week, which is actually more than normal for them being number one Uh, mutant apes is number two at 14 and Valhalla comes in at number three Valhalla has been doing really really well we talked about them a few times um Brian I actually I I sold one pre-reveal and it ended up being like this like real nice one that's worth double figures in ETH It sold for eight and a half ETH it's worth more than that now Oh, it's
3: a shame. That's yeah, why you can't ever look. You can't I know. Look. Oh, that's I can't what they say. It. Never look. Never look back. <laughs> never, never look back. Never.
1: <laughs> no, I know. I know. Um, Trump Digital trading cards is number four. Good old Azuki is number five. Clone X is number six. So ETH is actually dominating. ETH it, it, Trump Digital's Polygon, but other than that, normally we get some other stuff in there, but ETH is dominating this week. The mutant hound collars. It actually did $5 million in volume. Um, that is a new project. I, I actually had a chance to mint it, and I slept. I should have gone and figured it out. Um, it's doing really well. It's uh, Leor, I think, is the guy that's putting it on. And it's like people are trying to make it like they're going to be the companions to the mutants. I'm not sure exactly what the deal is. I need to look more up on it. Uh, Moonbirds is number eight. Other Deeds is number nine. So uh, Yuga is four out of the top nine, and Doodles is number ten. I guess they had some volume with their uh, announcement, and So Rare, which is actually normally really high up, is number eleven this week. CryptoPunks is number thirteen, volumes down on them to two two point two million. CryptoPunks.
2: All right, there we have it, folks.
1: There we top have 10. it.
2: I'm glad Doodles finally uh, made it up there, top ten. Yeah. Let's go. Coming in number ten. Um Yeah, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Honestly, it was really inspiring hearing your story, not only as a podcaster, but like public speaker and everything. And man, 365, like over 365 episodes every single day. That's just so crazy. Make sure you guys check them out. NFT 365 podcast. We'll link it. um, So you guys can just click it in the show notes. But yeah, Brian, thanks so much for coming. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. And to everybody listening.
1: Hopefully you enjoyed this episode and we will catch you in the next
0: one. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to the NFT Catcher Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned something new about the exciting world of NFTs. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.